Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Before we go any further with what God has for us tonight, it'll be easier for you to receive if you're not in pain. Pain is a distraction, not only a thief, it distracts you from receiving words. So that tangible anointing began manifesting in my hand right before I come up and I know when that happens, he wants me to minister that before we go any further. So if you're in pain tonight, I'm not gonna call you forward, but I want you to raise your hand right where you're at, any kind of pain in your body right now, raise it up real high. Don't just, if you can, don't just raise your hand at the elbow, raise it up at the shoulder. We want to see, turn around and I want the congregation to turn around and look at the need this, this evening. People that are even watching and there's pain in your body, you know, It's easier to teach a man to fish when he's not hungry. Easier to teach a man to swim when he's not drowning. (laughs) Easier to get the word in someone when they're not distracted. Amen. And I don't want pain to rob from you any further. Amen. So those of you, you say there's pain in your body, raise your hands right now. Congregation, I want you to release your faith with us. A corporate faith. I said a corporate faith. Satan, you take your hands off God's property. In Jesus' name, I speak to every pain. I speak to every disease. I speak to every sickness. I speak to every symptom. You loose them and let them go. In Jesus' name, you cannot have God's property. And Jesus, we take our freedom, our health, our healing, our pain-free life. We take it right now. So those of you who have your hand raised, say, I take mine. I take my freedom. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. I receive it. Hallelujah. Say this after me. I always receive. I always receive. Because every time I release my faith, power always begins working in my behalf. It always works. Always works. Therefore, I always, therefore, I always receive always 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 many times people start thinking about it and it talks them out of it you start talking so you can't think about it I always receive hallelujah 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 that anointing comes into manifestation to do a work not just so I can say I sense it, not just so you can say you, you, you sense it. It comes to perform a work. The Holy Spirit is a performer. 
He's a performer. And we have to give him words to perform. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now everybody put their hand down. And those of you who had your hand raised, I want you to do something you couldn't do. You, anything that bothered you, whether it's an arm, a leg, a back, a neck, whatever it is, do something that would have been limiting, that would have caused you any kind of discomfort. Even there at home, move around. Why? We're giving action to that anointing. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of God. Hallelujah. Right where you're at, you can squat, you can bend over, you can turn to the side, do something, violate that which tries to limit you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you say, I can already tell a difference, raise your hand. I want to, wait, look. Raise your hand real high if you say, I can already tell a difference. Hallelujah. Turn around and see how good Jesus is. Turn around and see how good Jesus is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is master. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's just worship him. Let's worship him for that. It matters to us. It matters to us what he provided and what he worked in us and is working in us. that are here. This is a classroom for us and the classroom of the spirit. Pay attention to the different flows. And I go with the anointing that's in the room. I don't just go with the sermon on the page. I go with the anointing that's in the room. I don't race past it. And we, we're learning these things. Are we perfect in it? No, but we're learning. We're learning. We're learning. And uh, when I sense the anointing, I ask, what's that for? I don't assume I know what that's for. 
I remember Dad Hagen was talking about, and I don't remember whether he told this to us privately, publicly, but we were in the service. Toward the end of the service, he said a stronger anointing came and he could tangibly feel it. Now, and I'll tell you this, many of you may sense that anointing tangibly in your hand. That's not a directive for you to do anything with it. You're just sensing what's in the room. Yes, yes, yes. Because see, people will sense it and think that God wants them to do something yes, with yes. it. I was, uh, last year I was on the Victory Thon, which is Kenneth Copeland, his Victory Channel. They take three and a half days and they allow people to sow to them because every programmer on that channel, no one pays a dime. Kenneth Copeland Ministries gifts that time to every programmer. There's no other network no. in the world that does no. that. No. So for, for them to take three and a half days yeah. out of an entire year and allow people to give, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. to send the word around the yeah. world. So they invited me before I was a programmer. I didn't know I was going to be a programmer, but they invited me on that Victory Thon last year. And I was doing one service and one of the ministers, and he's a precious man of God, precious man of God. Uh, I was just on the set and he was up, him and another man were co-hosting. And when they went to a break, he turned to me and he says, you got something? And I said, yes, because that healing anointing was in my hand. And so I got up and I called off on the, pro, on the broadcast those that were being healed at home that were watching. And uh, he said to me after the program, he said, I knew you had, he said, I sensed the healing anointing in my hand. And he said, when I did, God said, look behind you. And when I did, you were sitting there. And I knew that you were supposed to minister it. See, he sensed it, but that was not a directive for him. It was to direct him to listen. What does God want done? See, don't assume that every time you sense something, you know what to do, because really the more spiritual we are, the more in tune we are, more of us will sense things in the room. And many times people go out and start laying hands on people in the foyer and in the parking lot because they sense something that's out of order. Just because you sense it doesn't mean you're the one to minister it. That keeps people out of error, out of unsoundness. That they sit and lay hands on people all around them during the service, that's not appropriate. That's not spiritual etiquette. Yeah. Just because I know the song doesn't mean they've invited me to do the solo. <laughs> right? It's the same thing. And have you ever walked into a store and you hear your favorite song come on? That is not the sign to go to the front counter and take on the mic. You see, just because you know something doesn't yeah, mean you on. deliver something. Come on. That's part. That's why we're in this classroom of the Spirit this week to learn these things. And I'm not scolding anyone. You don't know if you're not taught. But this keeps unsoundness out because people think that because they sense something, they're to run with it. And it causes, uh, it causes lack of order. Amen. Amen. 
But let me go back to what Dad Hagen was talking about. At the end of a service, he was getting ready to close the service and he sensed a stronger anointing in his hand and he said, well, I'm not sure what to do with that. And so he just went over to different sections and stretched out his hand and spoke blessing and people just fell like dominoes. So it looked like that was the right thing. When Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it, it looked like the right thing because he got a result. But it wasn't the right thing to do with that anointing. That anointing comes into manifestation. It'll do a work, whatever you assign it to. But we want to look to the spirit of how to employ that power. So, uh, Dad Hagen said after he ministered that to the crowd, a few moments later, a little gal came up struggling on crutches with help. She was a crippled, partially crippled little gal. She came up, and the moment he saw her, God said, that power was for her, but you spent it. See, what, what are we talking about? Is that we have to take time. It's not about the clock. It's not about getting a certain program completed in the service. When the Holy Spirit shows up, we always have time. Amen. To listen. And you say, Pastor Nancy, have you missed it? Oh my, I, let's not even calculate. Let's, I remember probably about 15 years ago, God said to me one day, he said, you get it right about 50% of the time in a service. Well, that don't, how many of you know that's a failing grade in school? You staying back. Why? Because I would go with what was comfortable to me. To flow with the spirit takes faith. Because God only gives you the next step. And when you complete that step, then the next step comes. And people want the whole path laid out visibly before they'll take that direction. But you have to move with the Holy Ghost by faith. That's why faith is so important. Because we can't even get into the flow God has for us without it. Amen. So we're learning. So what I did, and I'll tell you, when I sensed that, I sensed that anointing in degrees. It's not because I'm in anything about me. It's because of what he has for the people. It doesn't make you more spiritual because you sense something. It makes him more faithful to want to minister to the people. It shows his faithfulness rather. And so uh, when I sensed that, I go, what do you want me to do with it? Listen, I don't assume I know. And so he said, speak to those who have pain in their body. So we just take time and listen. Amen. And look at, look at the, the goodness of God. It's so good to be pain free. It's so good to be disease free sickness free. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. I, I remember whenever my husband and I, when I got, 
when I married him, he had already been in the ministry almost over 15 years, in between 15, 20 years. I don't know exactly, about 17, 18 years, somewhere around in there. He began training me in the services. He'd say, come up here, I want you to lay hands on the people. And people, that anointing would be strong. And I knew this, that ain't my anointing. That's his. He invited me into his room, spiritual room. That wasn't me, because if, if he wouldn't have been here and I'd have called for those people, that wouldn't have been happening. Why? Because God will train you under the umbrella of someone else's anointing and flow. Not because it's yours, but because he's letting you be in their classroom. Yes. So you can't ever, in the, in the classroom, faith can't say, oh, look how God's using me. No, it's look who he let you be around. <laughs> because that's why you're getting results of who you're around and who you've been a student of because none of us are the beginners of anything we all enter into the labors of another man yes 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 all right praise the lord we can go further hallelujah you can be seated tonight thank god for the word I said, thank God for the word. I probably would preach a little bit different direction tonight, except for Brother Joel preached all my, all my scriptures, all my points in the morning service. And uh, anyway, I'm teasing, but it was written out in my notes. So I'll get my own notes. <laughs> no teasing. Listen, if we're going two different directions, someone's off. I like it the closer, the closer the ministry lies to one, each service, God is giving us a double barrel, shotgun. Amen. Because none of us are really that good of a sniper yet, so we just, I'm teasing. Hallelujah. You sat down in the chair. You didn't sit down on your joy, did you? Okay. Praise the Lord. Uh, turn with me if you would, I, and it's all right to look in your table of contents for this book, the book of Ezra. It's okay if you need to, it's in there. You're not backslid. If you need to go to your table of contents, what's difficult is when you spend the entire time looking for the book and miss what I'm saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ezra chapter one. Ezra chapter one, and I'll give you time to find it. Your pages might be stuck together there. <laughs> Ezra chapter one, and verse one, it reads, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, almost 70 years after the first Jewish captives were taken to Babylon, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might begin to be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. This is not a covenant man. This is not a Jewish man but the Lord stirred up his spirit. Amen. When we pray, 
God's influence goes to work. Stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judea. Now see, notice these people that he, he's talking about for the Jewish people, people held in captive in his, in his realm. And he said, God has commanded me that for the ones that have been held in captive under us, that a temple be built. He has charged me to build a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, so he's talking about the Jews, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah. He's releasing them after 70 years of captivity. Let him go up to Jerusalem and Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord. The God of Israel in Jerusalem, he is God. Why? Because God moved on his spirit and he started knowing who's God. Yeah. <laughs> verse eight. I'm going to look at the last phrase of verse eight, verse eight for time's sake. So here they go back to Jerusalem and they're doing what Cyrus has decreed. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to oversee the work of the Lord's house. Now go to verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, so they've got the foundation laid, the priests stood in their vestments with, with trumpets, and the Levite sons of Asaph with their cymbals to praise the Lord after the order of David, king of Israel. So what David had set in place, they established that, that order again. Verse 11, they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. This means they all participated. Yeah. They all responded. Saying, for he is good. For his mercy and loving kindness endure forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now that's something to rejoice about, right? But notice it doesn't say and. It says but. There's something contrary to what is going on. But many of the priests and the Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men, who had seen the first house, Solomon's temple, when the foundation of this house, this new structure, was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice, though many shouted aloud for joy. So the people could not distinguish the shout of joy from the sound of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard far off. That's loud. You go, well, see, some respond differently to a certain situation. Some shout in joy and some weep in joy. They weren't weeping in joy. 
Just at the laying of foundation, we see something significant. They're already off. The beginning is already off of what they used to have. All the people shouted because the foundation was laid, but the older men had already seen in years and decades past and experienced Solomon's original temple. And when they saw the new one, they wept. Those who oversaw, now this is important. Those who oversaw the laying of the foundation, remember it says that those who oversaw it were 20 years and older. They are the ones that took on the project of building. The only problem is they had only ever lived in captivity. They hadn't even been there. They hadn't even seen Solomon's temple. So the next thing was entrusted to men without experience. They were assigned to reconstruct what they had never even seen constructed. And their version, their version made those who had seen the original weep because it was so far below. Amen. What's that mean? It was a poor replica of what they had experienced before their captivity, of what the house looked like, what moved in the house, what, what flowed in that temple. And they're shouting over the beginnings and the beginning doesn't even measure up to the end of what it was before. Praise the Lord. You have to be around. Now let's bring it to the spiritual. It's not about a building. It's about a flow. You have to be around a flow and have experience with the flow to even speak into it. Because the things of the spirit are not taught with words. They're caught by being in the atmosphere under the influence of the Holy Spirit, seeing him move, seeing him operate, instead of turning to people who may love the Lord but have no experience with the glory of God, no experience, and then let them take the lead. Praise the Lord. We have to be around those who know something more than us before we start trying to speak into flows. We should all jump in, but it takes some experience to direct it. Amen. So that's why you don't ever want to come into a church and when a pastor, because I know these are Holy Ghost pastors, and say they shouldn't do that in a service. Are you sure you have experience enough to think that? Before you decide if the pastor is going too far or not far enough. Did you see the original temple? Or were you held in captivity to an unrenewed mind? 
Those who had seen became grieved by what others were rejoicing over because they recognized this is not what God has offered his people. This is not what we have partaken of in times past. It is a poor, a very poor replica. Once, you've ha- once we have experienced partaking of the, the word and the spirit, I feel cheated if it's not available in a service. Because the Holy Spirit always, always wants to bring us into more. And if we're okay with going less into less and stepping back, having less manifestations, lesser degrees of power than before, we have to say, who have we been letting set the course? What's once we've experienced it, once we've experienced the, the glory of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God, the, the flow of the flesh just, <laughs> you, walk, you walk out cheated. Amen. What's the way to help this? What's the way to change it? Not become critical. Not become upset with people but decide I will be part of a demonstration that God can point to that represents what he has for us. And I will learn and I will get around people who know and I will pay whatever cost I have to pay to get around people who who know so that I'm not a self-taught one. In the realm of the spirit, you cannot be all God experience all God has for you being self-taught. Can't happen, can't happen, can't happen. There's always somebody who knows God better than you. Smith Wigglesworth stated, once you've had Pentecostal services, what's he mean, word and spirit? Once you've had Pentecostal services, nothing else will satisfy you. When we've been part of the greater, a greater flow, A lesser flow just does not hit the target. Now go with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10. The the difficulty, no doubt, for those men of God who were part of the original temple they saw the flow, they saw that building, they saw what happened in that building, is that when somebody is rejoicing over the new foundation that's laid, they think they've arrived. And when people think they have it all, they'll never reach for more. Because they think they're in it. They think that they have accomplished the task that Cyrus gave. Isaiah 10, verse 27, and it shall come to pass in that day. That's this day. 
it has come to pass in this day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because there's a cause that brings to pass broken yokes. What is that? Because of the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. The devil is fine with you hearing sermons out of a Bible all day long as long as there's no anointing on it. You say, can anyone preach the Bible and there not be anointing? The word preach did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. The word has to be preached by faith and received with faith. So it is possible. The devil will let you sit all day long and hear something unanointed. All day long. But the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The devil hates the anointing. Because what takes him years and sometimes decades to yoke people up with. He'll take a lifetime to yoke somebody up and then get them to train their children under that yoke. Govern their family and their home under that yoke of fear, that yoke of worry, that yoke of greed. And the parent will get yoked up and then they train children under the flow of that yoke and the devil sits back (laughs) and just delights because all he had to do was get it on one and they'll pass it to the next. But someone who's been under a yoke for their whole life and maybe even seen patterns worked in their family. They come in in a service like this or a service like in your church where there's the anointing and in one moment, one contact, one moment of contact with the anointing and what took the devil a lifetime to put on and strengthen against somebody's life in a moment. His work is destroyed with one encounter with the anointing. Now, do you know why the devil is trying to offer people something that looks like the anointing, sounds like the anointing, but void of it? He hates the anointing. So he will offer people all kinds of flows and distractions that seem to gratify the mind, but empty of what destroys yokes. Well, we would all be in that place if, if it weren't for the mercy of God teaching us and putting us in places where we can learn. We have to learn it. We have to be taught. As I said, the things of the spirit, the things of the anointing cannot just be taught through paper. They can't just be taught through words. Words explain it, but you have to be around it and sense it to catch it. Amen. Ministers have to get in services where they can learn it so that they can take it back to their people. I have, and I don't say this in in a wrong way, I have so many, uh, thank, thank God the pastor said, I need an airplane. My airplane is on its way. It's... The wheels are touching down. The wheels are touching down. 
because there's so many churches I can't get to, so many invitations, and they're, they come in more and more and more. Sometimes, though, I have found out what a pastor needs is not for me to come to their church. Sometimes they need to get in the atmosphere where the anointing is. They need to get a demonstration and a hunger and get it moving in them and them take it back to their congregation. And then if I come, we can go further. But it's not my job to author something that the pastor needs to step into first. So that's why as pastors and ministers, you get where the anointing is and you say, well, I'm so busy with my ministry. You can't be so busy that you miss the anointing. Because no amount of work that you produce will make up for a lack of the anointing. So that's why we encourage ministers. We're not trying to fill our building in our services. We're trying to get people in the atmosphere, the flow of the anointing, so they can experience and go home and say, wait a minute, my foundation is too small. It doesn't look like the temple God is offering me. Amen. That's why I'm, Ed and I spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go where Dad Hagen was because he was who God had joined us with and who was demonstrating where we needed to go. And I don't care how long we've been in the ministry. There's someone that can help us go further. And people think, well, I've been in the ministry this long, that long, I don't need anything. There's always further to go. There's always someone who knows God better than you and knows the flow of God better. And I want to get where they are, not because I feel threatened. I want to get in their flow. Amen. Hallelujah. I've seen ministers that won't, listen, I'll pay whatever cost. When God tells me to bring someone in, I don't care. I will, I will pay whatever cost. I will pay whatever cost. Why? Because I need what's in them. I don't need my money. I need what's in them. My money is to help me get what's in them. So I inconvenience myself. I pay the price. The first thing, the first thing I put on my calendar every year is not my meetings. The first thing I put on my calendar every year is where's Brother Copeland? Why? Because I know who God has connected me with for this season of my life, and I'm going to show up, not be loosely connected, but firmly connected. And there are certain meetings that I have chosen that I won't miss. Why? Because God has told me, he said, there are graces that, Brother Cope, that are, are upon Brother Copeland's life. And he said, if you're going to finish your course, you're going to have to become a partaker of those graces. Yes. Everything you need to reach the end is not on you. Yes. It's on somebody else that you're going to have to get around. Yes. Dad Hagen was that for Ed and I for since the 70s. When I married Ed, I was already feeding on Dad Hagen's materials. God had already joined my heart with what was in that man. 
And my husband and I didn't look at the most popular thing and the newest thing out because we knew where our divine connect was. And we showed up to be students. And uh, you say, well, what you're talking about is pertinent to ministers. What I'm talking about is pertinent to every believer because that's who your pastor is to you. Everything you need and everything God has for you does not reside in you. It resides too in the man that God told you to hook up with and where he told you to be. And the danger is if you don't know who that is, that's risky. If someone were to come up to you and say, who has God connected you with? And you go, uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We need to know. And sometimes people haven't been taught. They don't know that. But every sheep needs to know who their shepherd is. I've, I can't tell you the number of times I've walked into stores in town, in our town, and people say, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Nancy, that's my pastor. I go, I have no idea who this person is. In name only doesn't work. Absent people receive nothing. If God told you to be somewhere. Praise the Lord. So Dad Hagen was that spiritual father. And I say this, be careful to use Bible terminology when you refer to things because if you're not careful, motivational speaking terms will start being picked up. I'm not a life coach. Anybody can be a life coach, not anybody can be a pastor. There are offices, five-fold offices that are sacred to God. They're gifts from Jesus, the head of the church. Don't call me a life coach. Don't diminish my office. Use Bible terminology so people don't get confused with what the world teaches. Dad Hagen was our spiritual father. Paul said, you have not many fathers. You can have many teachers, but not many fathers. That means you can't have four at a time. You, can ha- you have to know who the one is that God has joined you with and others can bless your life, speak into your life as teachers. So after Dad Hagen left, that my husband was that to me. The day my husband left the earth, that's one of the first things I said to God, where's my connect? I'm not going to be out here on my own. I don't care that I've been in the ministry as long as I've been in. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to disconnect from anything. <laughs> and God said to me, Brother Copeland, people say, well, you shouldn't join with this one or that one. You don't know what God said to me. And there are different things that I've received from different supplies in my life. From Dad Hagen, we received one thing. From my husband, I received a a different thing. From Brother Copeland, I received a different thing. And you don't know what people's lives and calls call for, for you to decide that somebody should or should not be hooked up with someone else. 
Just be hooked up where God tells you and love the ride. Be faithful. Because I'm the one who will have to answer for my call. Nobody else does. You've heard me. I have a club. Has anybody remembered my club? The name of my club? I'm the founder and charter member. It's called I Don't Give a Royal Rip Club. I'm the one who has to sleep, lay my head down at night and, and not be grieved, not be disturbed or that I missed God because somebody didn't like something. I love people, but I'm after pleasing him. I want him pleased first and foremost. My husband made this statement. When God gives you an anointing, how many of you know there's an anointing in every believer? There's an anointing in you. The anoint, there is an anointing that comes upon those who stand in fivefold offices or the anointing can come upon a believer for a particular task. The anointing that's within, that is in every believer, doesn't increase. But the anointing that comes upon can be increased. Now what we need to do is become more skillful with the anointing that's in and we'll have a greater flow of it, but it's not an increased flow. You understand? But the anointing that comes upon can be increased. And it's increased by being in the right associations, getting around the flows that nurture your call and the mantle on your life. You get around it, it will enhance you. When you're called to the five, when you're called to uh, a ministry of helps positioning, God has assigned you. Get around people who do it better than you. Learn, learn how to excel in your place that God set you in the body. And uh, my husband made this statement: When God gives you an anointing. He expects you to get around the right man to help develop that anointing. And if you don't develop that anointing, you'll get out of the will of God. Because it's the will of God that everything around us increase, increase, increase. When we get out of the will of God, then we open the door to the devil. So these things can be a matter of life and death. If we're in a place where that which is upon us is being nurtured, The more we're around the genuine flow of the anointing, the more we learn when it is and when it ain't. Because that's the difficulty. Many don't know when the anointing ain't there. They just think because the beat of the music set them. I call it cheerleading. And we all need to learn to recognize the anointing because that's what destroys yokes. That's what destroys yokes. The devil doesn't mind when people sing, shout, and dance in a service as long as there's no anointing on it. That's right. That's exactly right. Amen. He likes it when they think there's an anointing when they're really just yielding to their emotions. 
This is part of our teaching. People think that because they cry when they sing the national anthem, that's not the anointing. (laughs) As much as you may love your country. Now, if you want to sing it this way as a prayer, God bless America. And it becomes a prayer. The anointing may get in on that. But it's not because you had your hand over your heart and you were at a ball game and you got stirred. And there are people who, they think that God got on them and they just, their emotions were stirred. That's okay, we'll bring David and the team up in a little bit and you can sing and get relief. (laughs) The devil doesn't mind you singing and dancing and shouting as long as you walk out the same way you came in. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Yeah. When all entertainment, it looks like entertainment, it's not this direction, it's this direction. How many times Dad Hagen said, what people call worship is not worship? <laughs> because it's directed toward the people, it's not directed toward God. The devil loves it when you confuse your emotions with the anointing. Now, don't misunderstand me. These people may be sincere in their love for God. I don't question that at all. There are so many people, they sincerely, genuinely love God, but that loving God does not mean skill with the anointing. We have to be taught. We have to be around it. Amen. Every time we yield to our flesh, our spirit loses proficiency. And every time we yield to our spirit, our flesh loses proficiency. And every time we just worship from our flesh, our spirit lost out on something there. But every time we hooked up our heart and it was our hearts engaged, our flesh just got put down. And that's the winning position. (laughs) Dad Hagen, I, I want to quote something Dad Hagen said. People say, you talk about Dad Hagen. I talk about my, my, he taught me. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, I came up with everything. (laughs) Just because you don't acknowledge your first grade teacher every time you read, the only reason you're reading is because of your first grade teacher. I helped you identify that. Dad Hagen used to say this, most Christians wouldn't recognize the Holy Ghost if he came walking down the street with a red cap on. What's he saying? What needs to become obvious to us, people are missing. God said to Dad Hagen, the last decade or so of his life, he says, you've taught my people faith, but now I want you to go and teach the move of the Spirit. Now you must go teach my people about the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Now God wouldn't tell a man who didn't know to go teach it. Listen, I'm not called to save money. I'm called to fulfill a plan. And I want to get around somebody who's going to help me fulfill that plan and I'm going to spend all the money I need to to get that plan fulfilled. 
I'm not talking about being wasteful with money. I'm talking about not robbing the plan to save money. Get around people who know. So God said to him, to Dad Hagen, now you must go teach my people about the Holy Ghost. Charismatic believers know how to praise me, but there is a move of the Spirit they know little or nothing about. This is what God said. They know little or nothing about. And should I tarry my coming, that understanding will be lost to future generations if you don't teach them. It will be lost to those who don't show up to be taught. Then Dad Hagen stated this, of course, we will never leave behind the teaching of God's word, but God wants to combine a move of his spirit with a solid foundation, a Bible teaching that's been built over the past few decades in the body of Christ. That means we don't dismiss what came before us. We, ha- we require it to go further. The combination will cause the next move of the Holy Ghost to be the biggest one yet. That's what we're after. Amen. My husband used to prophesy and other ministers have prophesied that the last day move of God will be every previous revival wrapped up into one. Amen. That's going to call for skill on our part. I said, it's going to call for skill on our part. Dad Hagen went home to be with the Lord in 2003. In 2006, it was two and a half years after Dad Hagen left. My husband and I were preaching in Zambia, Africa, and Stephen was there, and Stephen and Ed had gone out on a safari uh, hunt that day. And I was in the hotel room alone, and God spoke to me and said, the light that was given through Brother Hagen regarding speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is almost gone. Two and a half years. Two and a half years after he's left, one arm of that light that he brought to the body of Christ, he said, it's almost gone. And then God said, pick that up. Well, see, that's an indictment against me that I hadn't picked that up. There are things that have been taught us if we don't pick them up, and move in it, these things have to be contended for. I said, these things have to be contended for. You want to be in a church that's contending. Because if you're not in a church that's contending, there are things that belong to us that will be lost to us. Amen. That tangible anointing is one of the things that marked Dad Hagen's ministry, marked my husband's ministry is that anointing. And we had the privilege of sitting under and watching the demonstrations and experiencing that. But it's not just so we could say we were there. It's so we could learn to move in these things and yield to these things and recognize. Dad Hagen used to say, there's a place in the spirit God is endeavoring to get us into. He said, that's what I'm endeavoring to do is bring the body into the place that God is wanting to get us into. And right after that, he left the earth. What's that mean? We didn't get in. Why? Because many wouldn't go. They were stepping back already from the light that had come. They were stepping back from faith. They were stepping back from the word that was poured in. 
But even though Dad Hagen left, he's not the savior of the body. And we can still go where the Spirit wants us to go. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to, before I close tonight, I want to rehearse to you a vision that my husband had. In the, night, I, in the 1990s, he had this vision. We call it the vision of the dry riverbed. And my husband saw in this vision a boat that was sitting in the dry riverbed. There was no flow. And the boat was full of people. And they were in the boat and they were working hard trying to row. They had the oars going. And they were working tr hard trying to go somewhere. And what was happening was their oars were flinging up the dirt from the bottom of that dry riverbed. And so they were in this cloud and they started shouting, look, there's the glory, there's the glory. Something that their flesh worked up and they called it the glory. And he said, and they were singing praises and he said it was so dissonant. It, there was no harmony with it. Everyone was like in a different key. He said it was a violation on the ears. No flow. Then he said, God picked him up like a, a cherry picker, picked him up and brought him over another location. And in this location, there was a flow that was a river bank breaking flow. And there was a boat in that river. And on the side of the boat was the words, word and spirit. And the people in that boat were singing praises. And he said it was some of the most beautiful music he'd ever heard. And he said, and none of them were rowing. They had their hands raised and worshiping God and praising God. And the boat was carrying them in the flow that boat was in. And he saw it's just about getting the flow and you get into the ease. It's not a labor. It's not human effort that gets you there. And he said, then he saw that in the water around that boat were bottles floating. Like you would see in an old movie, message in a bottle. And he saw paper rolled up inside of each bottle. And he reached down out of the water and picked up the bottle, un unwrapped that, took that note out, and on, on it was listed, the working of miracles. Yep. Yep. Then he picked up another bottle and it said, gifts of healings. Yeah. And then he picked up another bottle and it said, word of wisdom. Yeah. And they all contained the gifts of the Spirit. Why? They're in the flow of the word in the Spirit. Amen. Well, I don't know about you but I want us to get into the flow and not be content with the foundation that some of us have settled for. When there is an enlarged structure that God offers us. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Brother Joel was talking about something this morning. He was talking about when we leave this place, we will not... 
let me, let me say it to you this way. When it's time for us to leave this earth, it's not going to be a rescue mission from heaven. Go get them. They're failing. Rescue them. It's not a rescue mission. We will go out of here a glory filled, spotless bride. Amen. It's not a rescue mission because the world is dominating them and they've got one last nostril out of the water. <sighs> and this is tagging on to what Brother Joel was talking about this morning. Dad Hagen said to another minister, there is going to be a change of ages. Eternity moving into the last days. See, what we live in right now is time. We're, we're in time. But remember what Jesus would say, time is short. He's not just talking about the clock is clocking down. It's going to be passing away. That we no longer are un under the measurement of time. We step into the measurement of eternity. Time is short. There's not much left of it on the clock. And so Dad Hagen said to this minister, there is going to be a change of ages, eternity moving into the last days of earth. Angelic activity will increase. What is that? That is eternity coming into time. That age moving into this age. It will not be a hard, abrupt timeline change. The flows of eternity, here's time, earth, here's heaven and eternity. It's going to do a blending like this. Fingers linked together to where they flow into one another. It's not this. And they bump up against each other. It's a coming together. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is in you. It's in you. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy. He's saying we can live there before we go there. Why? We're living eternity's flow while we're still in the measurement of time. That's how come I'm not depressed, I'm not sad, I'm not grieved, I'm not struggling. Why? Because not every circumstance will offer me joy, no problem, I brought my own. It, the joy is in me. I don't wait for circumstances to offer me joy. The kingdom of God is in me and he said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the flow of the Holy Ghost. If we say we're Holy Ghost people, we can't be sad. Holy Ghost people are walking in their righteousness. They're drawing on that peace. They're living in that joy. That's our flow. The most tragic day of my life was when my husband went home unexpectedly. But I'm here to tell you, the day that happened, the flow of heaven was not withdrawn. I still had a flow that I could choose. And that's how we did not get into grief and sorrow because we yielded to the kingdom of God, the flow that is already in us, and we drew on it. We didn't just, hear, we didn't just say amen to the preacher when he preached about it. We really lived. 
this is for the living, not just for the preaching. Days of heaven on earth. Days of, I, I refuse to live anything less than days of heaven on earth. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. Not every circumstance is days of heaven, but every flow. The flow of the kingdom that's on the inside of me will cause me to be a partaker of heaven while I'm on this earth. And this is the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We could say, this is the flow of the Holy Ghost. I don't care how much you pray in tongues, but if you're not in righteousness, peace, and joy, you're out of the flow. You're out of the flow of the Holy Ghost. He is endeavoring to lead us through this flow of righteousness, peace, and joy. Praise the Lord. I pastored for 25 years, and in 2016, God said to me, your pastorate has come to an end. Ed would say to me, at least 10 years before this happened, he would say, you're going to step into another office. He said, you'll step in, and you'll step back out. You're weaving in and out of that office. After several years after that, he would say, you've got one foot in it, meaning it's planted. You're not weaving out anymore. You got one foot in the office that you're to walk in. You've got one foot in that pastoral office. And then there came a day when he said, both feet are in it. When both feet got in it, I had to step fully out of the previous office. Because if you don't move with what you're anointed for, uh, it's dangerous. But I, I saw something, and this is what, Brother Joel was talking about this morning. It's not a hard, where God is taking me, even in offices and where he's taking you, it's not a hard, abrupt end and a hard, abrupt start. There's always a, first of all, a weaving in and out so you can get acquainted with it. God doesn't want to throw you in something, in a flow and in a power that you're not acquainted with because that's not safe for you. Power has to be learned. The power of an office, the power of what he assigns to you, it has to be learned. And he's going to, he, he's not a hard taskmaster. He's not going to just throw you in and say, hope you make it. <laughs> he gives us a taste, taste and see. The first six months after, I married my husband when I was 22. I started preaching when I was 27. Um... I recognize anytime he had me to minister along with him in a service, I recognize that's not my anointing. That's his. I'm just under the umbrella of the anointing of his that's present in the room. So I knew it wasn't mine. But one night, mine came. It was recognizable on me, for me. I recognized it. For the first six months of that, the degree of that was astounding. I mean, if I told you some of the things that happened in services, things I hadn't seen. After six months, that weaned. You say, what is it? Did you backslide? No, God was giving me a taste. And he said, if you'll remain faithful, this is where you're going to end up in ministry and in the anointing. Yeah. 
because God gives us a foretaste. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Because God does not do hard stops and starts because he wants you to succeed. So he gives you a taste. He gives you some experience. You'll weave in and out. But you're not weaving in and out and expect to just keep weaving in and out. He expects you to gain skill with where he's letting you touch into because there's going to come a day you need to be full-footed in what he's bringing you into. Part of this for the body of Christ is that we all learn the flow of the spirit and not just the preacher learn it. We're in meetings like this because God is giving us experience experience, learning to respond, learning to step past our flesh. Well, you know, Pastor Nancy, I'm just not comfortable doing that. We're not talking about your flesh. We're talking about stepping past our flesh so that our spirits can engage in a service with what God is endeavoring to bring us into. That means it's no longer appropriate for us during praise and worship that we hold down the chair in front of us. Well, I'm just not expressive. Again, I'm not talking about your flesh. I'm not talking about your personality. You're talking about your personality. When you say that's not me. You don't, your response doesn't have to look like ours, but like the next guys, but there needs to be something. See, it's not right for us to be offered experience and not get more skillful every time that's offered to us. And then instead of us just going back to what our flesh is, flesh likes. Oh, well, praise the Lord. Time is short. And we need to learn the realm of eternity, the glory, the flow of eternity, because that's our home. We're living... We're, we're under time right now, naturally, but our spirits are under the flow of eternity because the kingdom of God is in you. And we need to be enjoying that flow. Live there before we go there. Praise the Lord because we are not a rescue project. How many times have you even thought, God, I got this big bill coming up. You think Jesus is coming before that happens? I'm not a rescue project. You're not a rescue project. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. What an honor. What a joy. We're seeing with greater clarity what you have for us. And we no longer settle for the foundation our flesh has laid. But we reach forward into that flow that you offer us, that flows as uh, the fountain that springs up on the inside of us, the living waters, and the rivers that flow out of us to bless others. We, we choose to become skillful with that. We make ourselves students of the flow of the word and the flow of the spirit. And we thank you that we have divine help. We have the great teacher of the Holy Ghost. We yield to his 
instruction. Holy Spirit, we honor you as our teacher. We will not grieve our teacher, but we'll respond in this classroom of the Spirit. We give you thanks and praise. Let me say this to you. We started the church in Murrieta in 1991. For the first seven years, we taught because we were laying a foundation of the Word. We didn't try to have a Holy Ghost service to where the gifts were in operation every service because you have to take time to lay the foundation of the Word in people. So pastors, those of you who are, you're maybe in the earlier stages of your church, of pioneering it, don't try to force something to happen. Just keep laying the foundation of the word, laying the foundation of the word. That's, you, you have to have that good word foundation so that when the spirits come into operation, there's soundness. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Don't try to force something. Just lay the foundation of the word. Get the people anchored on the word. How many times Dad Hagen was saying, he talked about how he warned the healing evangelists of the 1947 to 1958, he would say, you're building your ministries on the gifts of the Spirit. And he said, that's why I'll outlast every one of you because I'm building mine on the Word. They were building it on something that was... The, the gifts of the Spirit are spectacular. Absolutely. Thank God for them. We don't diminish that. But we're to be built up on the foundation of the Word. Amen. And he said, you're relying on the gifts of the Spirit to sustain your own personal life. He said, the gifts of the Spirit aren't for your personal life. They're for the people. You have to develop faith in the Word of God because that's what is going to... The just live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So he was saying, what you're doing is you're, you're emphasizing the gifts of the Spirit and neglecting faith. And he said, you'll end up dying prematurely because there's going to come a day that you're going to need your faith and you're not going to have it in place. What is it? He's talking about how, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He was saying, have a firm foundation of the Word in you. Then your faith will be there. And you're not relying on gifts of the Spirit that weren't even intended for you to rescue you. And he said, I watched all of them die prematurely. Thank God it's spirit, but it's word and spirit. Word and spirit. Skillful with both. Skillful with both. Skillful with both. And Dad Hagen would say this, never pray more than you feed on the word. They have to be moving together equally to keep us in soundness. Well, we thank the Lord. Let's sing something. You'll know this. Fresh oil from heaven. Flow in power. Flow in your power. Your power. As we stand in reverence. As we Stand in reverence, fill us, fill 
chapter 5 be being filled be being filled how do we live full of the Holy Ghost well they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues one way to continually stay filled is speaking to yourself in other tongues praying in the Holy Ghost amen God offers us fullness. Let's become skillful in that flow. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We're learning. We're learning. We're learning. Yes. And we thank you. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We're hungry. We're hungry. We're hungry. We're hungry to learn and go further in what you offer us. We glorify you, we magnify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You got anything? Y'all got anything? Come on, yeah. Good, that's where I want to be. <laughs> hallelujah. Pastor Nancy was, was minister and I, I was, I kept having this song play on the inside of me that um, really, I, every time I hear that vision of Dr. Dufresne's, mm -hmm. we're not rowing, we're yep. just flowing. 
We're riding in the river of God. It's refreshing. There's blessing. We're moving up and moving on. With the word and the moving of the Holy Ghost, the power's flowing stronger than we've ever known. We're not rowing, we're just flowing, riding in the river of God. We're not rowing, we're just flowing, riding in the river of God. It's refreshing, the air's blessing. We're moving up and moving on With the word and the moving of the Holy Ghost The power's flowing stronger than we've ever known We're not rowing, just flowing We're riding in the river of God Is that all right? Yeah. We're not rowing, just flowing Riding in the river of God It's refreshing there's blessing They're moving up and moving on With the word and the moving of the Holy Ghost That power's flowing stronger than we've ever known We're not rowing, we're just flowing We're riding in the river of God It takes a minute, you'll get it Hallelujah, can you praise Him? Good We'll sing it again we're not rowing, we're just flowing. We're riding in the river of God. It's refreshing, there's blessing. We're moving up and moving on. With the word, with the word and the moving of the Holy Ghost, the power's flowing stronger than we've ever known. We're not rowing, we're just flowing.
my goodness, and then tomorrow night, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to go back out there, and I'm going to be able to greet some of you. Give me a few moments, and I'll be out there, but turn to somebody and say, I'm going to keep flowing, and you're dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.